The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Man of God is all in all. Lord, we prize the light of thy smile, implore the joy of thy salvation, and we find our heaven in thee. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of the word, which begins with prayer. Let's pray together. Glorious Lord of life, by the mighty resurrection of your son, you, over, you have overcome the old order of sin and death to make all things new in him. Grant that we who celebrate with joy Christ rising from the dead, that we may be raised from sin and death and live life the life of righteousness through him who lives and reigns with you in unity with the Holy Spirit, one God now and forevermore. Amen. Please be seated. All of us, all of us have an ancestry, an ancestry. We have, we have forefathers. We have, we have people that, that, that we're related to an ancestry. Uh, a genetic line, what we have done in, on our family side, someone had taken it upon us. In fact, it was my Uncle Frank. He took it upon himself to start writing, uh, going through our ancestry, tracing it all the way back to my great-grandfather. Uh, so he kind of documented our ancestry, kind of like what they do in Ancestry.com. But he did it himself, and he added stories to it about those individuals. And... Uh, Somebody else took it. My cousin took it, and, and he put it in a, in a book. He put it. He bound the book, and he, and, and he put charts in there and stories and more pictures, which makes it even that much greater. It's a, a neat book to have. If, if some of you don't already have something like that, it's pretty neat to have. It, it's interesting to note that my great-grandfather, he was a man named Nestro Sines. Nestro Sines. And he lived a, an intriguing life, a, a very intriguing, a clandestine, a clandestine life, a secretive life. Now, I don't want to go into what he did. I'll tell you, I, I can tell you that on the side. But it, it, he did stuff that we're not very proud of. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so what he did and the things he did in his life and the decisions that he made in his life had a great impact on who? Guess who? All of us, every, all of his descendants, down all the way through me, the Sevy, and all the way down to of grandkids. But what he did had an impact on, on the progeny, uh, the, the, the ancestors of the, one, the people that came after him. The decisions that he made impacted us, impacted us. Now, there is nothing that we can do today that can change what he did that can go back and undo 
something he did or a decision that he made. And it's the same for all of us with our ancestors. We can't go back and undo what they have done. Our descendants uh, must there, we must therefore suffer the consequences of what, what, what has gone on. And we all know that we suffer the consequences of, so to speak, the sins of our father, so to speak. And we know that. We know that as a Christian. And we know that because why? Because our ancestry, our ancestry goes all the way back. All of our ancestry goes all the way back to the boat, right? To the ark, Noah's ark. We all came off the boat. But it goes back even further than that. And it goes all the way back to the beginning, to Adam and Eve, to our forefather, Adam, who made a decision that impacted all of his ancestors from then on. And we know what that was. We know that his decision to disobey God brought sin into the world. And from sin came death. Came death and we all die. We all die. Today's good. Uh, and we, we spoke about this on Good Friday. We talked about how we live, we're living in, in uh, the gospel is a gospel of suffering. Because when man sinned against God, what did God do to humanity and the world? He cursed it. He cursed it. That's everybody. That means, in other words, he cursed them to be to suffer. So when Jesus came around, he kept talking about his gospel message. Part of his message was this, the message of suffering. So guess what Jesus had to do to save us? He had to suffer. And he did suffer. And he did die for us, for our sins, uh, for the sin of Adam, for our sins. Okay, And we spoke about that on, on Good Friday. Okay, Today we celebrate... Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, okay? We rejoice that by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. From a man came the resurrection of the dead. Remember how the saying goes, as for in Adam all die, all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now listen to that wording. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. Key words, two key for little two words, in Christ. What does that mean? It means you have to believe in him. You have to believe in the life and work of Jesus Christ. And, and proclaim and receive him. Proclaim him as Savior in Christ. All Live, okay? Um, uh, all are made alive. Okay, so that means to, to, to proclaim them. And, and by that, when Jesus came, the resurrection of Christ, God restored his kingdom. See, at the fall, like we spoke about on Good Friday, the, there was a separation. The kingdom of God was uh, separated from humanity. Man, humanity was kicked out. And, uh, and the kingdom of God was separated from humanity. Well, Jesus brought that back through his suffering and death. Humanity, the people of God, so to speak, were reunited with the kingdom of God. That's kingdom living. See, you're living in the kingdom of God in the here and now. Not the ultimate, not the kingdom in the final expression. You, we're living in the kingdom of the here and now, the kingdom that Jesus ushered in, the king, 
right? So if the, we talked about this on Friday. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, if Jesus Christ dwells in you, that means the King dwells in you. That means the kingdom of God is here and now. It is not the final kingdom that's going to be ushered in when he returns at his second coming, when there's a new heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. But it is the kingdom of God that is here and now, and it's you. You are the kingdom of God. You are a part of that. You are heirs to that. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith, bringing forth the reversal of the curse of death and the guarantee of life everlasting, the guarantee of life everlasting. Now, before we get into our passage, you get in more to this and, and, and try, to, try to understand what the resurrection means. Well, we have to define it. Let's define what resurrection means. To just start with that. The, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean? Well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that he died. Well, let's start off with the gospel. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that the Son of God became a man. He became a human first. Okay. Then he, he was born of a virgin. Then he lived this perfect life, this perfectly obedient life. Had to do that. If, if he didn't need to do that, God could have killed Jesus right there, had him killed, because God is the one that caused Jesus to get crucified. But... If, if living a perfect life wasn't a part of this, he could have died at, at birth. But no, he grew up as a man, a human. Lived a perfect life in our stead. The life that Adam and Eve were supposed to live. He lived it. And then, remember, he's a human. Like us. Kind of. I mean, without sin, that's not like us. He's without sin. And then he lays down his life. Then, then he dies. So, so to, 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 for Jesus to be resurrected, he had to, to be a human. He had to die. And we know that he dies and he placed in the tomb. And after three days, God does what? God raised him from the dead. Resurrected him. Resurrected him. Now, it's not like somebody going over there. And like When I was a cop, there were several times that I was on hand when somebody died. That, I mean, their pulse rate just quit. I mean, we couldn't get a pulse, and they were brought back to life. But it was in a matter of just a few minutes. It's not, it's not that. It is a resurrection. It means that he died and was in the earth. He was in the tomb for three days and was raised from the dead. In other words, he overcame death. He, he came on the other side of death. He overcame death. He won death. He overcame death by being raised from the dead. When he was raised, it was not spiritual. I mean, of course it was spiritual, but it was physical. So don't let anybody talk you out of that. It was a physical resurrection. He had a physical body. Remember what makes us human. A body and a soul, a body, a soul, spirit, okay? That's what makes us human. When you die, you lose your physical body. So you're not really a human, kind of. You're just a soul out there. And if you're in Christ, you're with Christ. Okay, so Jesus, when he was resurrected, he had, he was resurrected in a physical body. That's why he goes around and he talks to people. People touch him. He eats with people. Now, he's in a resurrected body, certainly. And he, he walks through walls and does other stuff. But, but it's physical. He has some type of physical. He, well, he has a resurrected body. That's the best way to explain that. Now, we need to understand 
because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that there are some consequences because of this resurrection. There are some consequences in this world that we're living in as a result of the resurrection of Christ. And, and I'm just going to talk about four of them, four, four points very quickly. We're going to go through them. These are consequences because of that resurrection. Now, guys, it's real. It really happened. People really saw Jesus walking after he was dead. Over 500 witnesses can testify to that. Okay? It's not a myth or a tale. It, it, it is real. Okay? So now, because it's real, because he overcame death, because he was who he is, there's consequences in this world. Okay? Now, just to let you know real quick, and we're going to talk about it in just a second. He was the first to rise, the first fruit. There will be more. That's you and I. That's going to come later. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Okay, so four consequences. Uh, there are more, but we don't need to talk about these four. The first one is the resurrection guarantees transformation. The next one is the resurrection challenges thinking and conclusions. The next one is the resurrection impacts society. That's a tough one. And the resurrection restores hope. Restores hope where there was no hope. Let's start with the first point. The first point is the resurrection guarantees that the transformation that God, that Christ caused his community. Christ caused a transformation of his community, his church. And that transformation is everlasting. That transformation is everlasting. Scripture tells us that Christ was raised from the dead, the first fruit of more to come. The, the community of Christ is his church, and he was the first to be resurrected, and we are coming. We will also be resurrected. And Scripture talks about that. We, his church, are his fruits, the fruits of, of his resurrection. And when he returns at his second coming, at the end of time, we too will be resurrected. And you heard, we've read those passages before. You might have read them before. 1 Thessalonians 4, real quick, I'm going to read it. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. This is Christ. He's ascended right now. He's, not going, to, he's going to descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Meaning those who have already gone, those who have died before us, they're going to be raised, resurrected first. Then we who are still alive, if you happen to be alive at the end of time, at the end of the age, then you're going to be resurrected. Because you're still in your flawed body, you got you got you got to have a resurrected body too. So you're going to be resurrected. Who uh, who are left will be called up together with him, meaning with Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will all all we will also and always be with the Lord. Key key right there. We will always be with the Lord. Now, that's certainly an imagery. It's figurative language, but what is it telling us? It's telling us that when Jesus returns, 
you can if you're alive you rest assured you're gonna be called up into this this glorious victory parade basically that's coming and our ancestors my loved ones my mom and dad We'll be a part of that, and when we see that, it's going to be a glorious time. In fact, they're going to be there first. Imagery that Paul is giving us as to the, 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 the resurrection of everybody else. The Jews always believed, well, not all of them, but most of them believed that there was a resurrection at the end of the age. They didn't understand that there was a resurrection in a person, and that being Christ himself, who, who said he was the resurrection. Okay, no, it goes on. There's more. Now, later on in this chapter, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it tells us that we will all exchange our perishable bodies for an imperishable body. Praise the Lord. Do I get an amen on that? We all need that. We get an amen on that on that voice. You'll have a voice of a, you already have a voice of an angel, but <laughs> okay, so it's listen, listen to what it says, okay, later on. God's word. It says, in a moment, at the, in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, well, let me, I can't twinkle my eyes, so. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, meaning that the body, raised physically, the, to an imperishable body means the body's going to live forever. An imperishable body will, uh, okay, so, the last trumpet for the for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Changed. We have to be changed. I mean, because sin is in us. Like we, we're so prone to sin. We sin this morning and we'll sin later today. We're just so prone to for it. So, but now we're not even gonna have an inclination to want to even think of sin. It, things are going to be different for this for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality that, that's science fiction stuff right it's long before science fiction this is real this is reality this is coming and the mortal puts on immortality uh, then shall come to pass the same that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? At the end of the age, when Christ returns, whether we're alive or not, we're going to be given an imperishable body. That's what makes us human. We're human. God created us human. We're going to live eternity as a human being with the Lord. And it says always with the Lord. That's 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 special. We will always be in his holy presence. Always be be with him in an imperishable body, living forever, forever. See, that's the guarantee. That's the guarantee that the resurrection brings us. So that brings us to our next point. The resurrection challenges the thinking and conclusions of our surrounding culture. And it's starting to get tough on us now because we know the resurrection happened. It's a fact of God. It is it. So it has to impact the world. It has to impact our lives. It has to impact society, the society and the culture around us. Back in the 1970s, there was a, there was a commercial out there, beer commercial, 
mind you, and some of you are going to remember it, that epitomized the, the, our society and, and how we live our lives in our society today. Well, it, it basically went on the premise that life is too short, guys. Life is too short. Hey, somebody told us told us that the other day. And we were talking about a deceased loved one. And it, it, it's sad. I mean, you mourn your loved ones. You miss them. And this person said, life's too short. So we're going to have a party. And see, this commercial, this beer commercial is right there. It, it, it came out in the 70s. It was way before this. It says that life is too short, so do what? Live for today. Live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about having to answer to anyone, including God. Therefore, you must go for the gusto, the gusto. Go for the gusto. I don't know if anybody remembers that commercial. Go for the gusto or don't go at all. It, it was funny. It was, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was a fun commercial, and, and people pretty much patterned. It was, just, it was just echoing what society back then, and even today, believes. Go for the gusto. Go for the gusto. And drink this beer, and you can have fun, I guess. Okay, so that, that was a commercial that was back then. The Apostle Paul tells us the same thing in verse 32 in a very facetious way. Here's what Paul says. Paul says this. He says, If the dead are not raised, meaning if there is no resurrection, if the dead are not raised, let us do what? Eat. Drink, for tomorrow we die. Go for the gusto. Let's go eat some fajitas and crawfish and cerveza. And because mañana, guys, tomorrow's not promised to you. That's the mentality. So look, people call, carry that mentality out to the extreme. Well, you know what? Life's too short. I can't be married to her. She's holding me back. She doesn't understand me too at all. So let's go for the gusto. Let's go find somebody else that understands me. You know what? No one, no one understands me. You don't even understand yourself, much less anybody else. But isn't that it? That's why people worship politicians in politics. They have to get the right guy in office for them to be happy. And you know what? They're never happy because they're next. There is no perfect politician, but hint, hint, no perfect politician, nor political party. Wait a minute, Manny. Hey, come on. That's what that's what Paul is saying. He's being facetious. He's making he's making a, a, he's being he's making a joke, a bad joke, to prove his point. Hey, if we're if the dead aren't raised, if there's no resurrection, forget it. Go party. Go drink. I'll go with you. That's what he's saying. So, but there is there is a resurrection. There is a resurrection, and that resurrection is truth. It's God's truth. And we all have to answer to what? To who? A living God. A living God. That's what changes everything. You know, today's cancel culture, woke culture, all the movements that are out there, all the movements that are who are, it is this who we are and to live for the day movements, they're all out there today. All of them that you have, 
out there today. That has to challenge your thinking. And it does. The resurrection has to challenge their thinking, and it does. But you know what? Because they don't want to buy into it, because they don't want to believe it, they reject it. Oh, they're like all of us. We don't want to buy into that. We're going to have to answer to God. And what does he say? You can't do what? I cannot do what? I'm going to do it. So what does that cause you to do? You reject it. You reject God's truth. And that's what's out there. But you have to deal with it. You have to come. The resurrection has to challenge us. And it has to change our thinking and our conclusions about the world today, about the life you live. You have to answer to to God. You have to answer to him. Scripture calls us. It calls out for us. It calls for us to be, to not be deceived. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says, hey, bad company ruins good morals. You ain't going around some bad people. You're going to be, yeah, that's not going to be good for you. Because why are you hanging around them? Because it's bad company. Well, I kind of like what they do or Maybe I, yeah, yeah, maybe I don't totally agree with that. But I'm still going to hang out with them. And what is, eventually, what does that do? You're going to like what they do. I had a, a friend, and I've told the story before, I'm going to say it real quick. I had a friend, uh, he, he said he was a Christian, he, he wanted to be a pastor, uh, but he wanted to go to the Banditos, uh, the motorcycle gang. And he was going to bring the gospel to the Banditos. And, and I said, well, who's your accountability? you got to go with somebody. you have an accountability, buddy. And he says, no, no, I'm just going to go by myself. Guess what? He became a bandito. He gave up Christ. He started using drugs. His life went to ruin. Bad company. Bad company. So we go to the next point. Next, we look at how the resurrection impacts society's present order of things and gives motivation to live the Christian life. The resurrection impacts our society, our society's present order, the present or excuse me, the present order of things and gives motivation for us to live the Christian life. Now, how does how does that work? What is that talking about? Well, what's the present order of things in this world? The present order of things is we're all fallen. This is a fallen world. This is we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Every one of us is a singer. Yes, every one of us, uh, every single one of us. Um, my friends, we're all sinners, okay? What does that mean? It means we sin, okay? Sin is very intoxicating. Would you agree? I mean, not all sin, but the sin we commit is. I mean, why are you going to commit it? It's very intoxicating. What do I mean by intoxicating? You get drunk on it. You want more. Sin is very intoxicating. Uh, we can, we, we, it's so intoxicating that we can lose touch with reality, the reality of God and God in your life. It is that intoxicating. And God, and, and God is the one that holds you accountable. He, see, God's going to hold everybody accountable. God, when, he return, when Christ returns, he's going to judge everyone. We're going to be there. He's going to judge us. He's going to see us. He's going to see you, and he's going to see the righteousness of Christ in you, the righteousness of Christ. He's going to say, come, good and faithful servant, come into the kingdom. See, your kingdom. But how about if Christ is not in you, if you're not in Christ? 
You get, he's going to be perfect. He's, you know what? He's going to be the perfect judge. Perfect. His, his judgment is going to be perfect. Condemned. Guilty. Eternal punishment. He has to do it. He's a perfect judge. That's why God calls us. He calls to us. And Paul writes it in, 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 in this chapter. He says, he calls to us saying, wake up from your drunken stupor. Wake up. Yes, you're sinning. I don't care what you say. It's not going to make it right. It doesn't. There's no gray area here. It's a sin or not a sin. And so wake up from your drunken stupor. Return. Repent. Repent. And receive. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. The Lord Jesus Christ calls out to us. He calls out to you. Christ calls out to you. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? The reason I ask that is the Bible tells us that not everyone can hear him. Can you hear him? Well, if you can hear him, you better respond and re rejoice. Rejoice that he has opened your heart. I mean, given you a new heart, open your ears to hear him calling out to you. Because not everyone hears him. Not everyone hears his voice. So now that brings us to the next part, next point. How the resurrection restores hope and gives comfort to the sick, to the dying, and those who are mourning. Mourning the death of a loved one, just mourning uh, whatever their, their life situation. The resurrection is not the escape of the individual from the, like from the dominion of sin and death. The resurrection is the masterpiece, the central piece of God's redemptive and restorative work. That's the resurrection. Remember the story of redemption? We talk about it all the time. That's the central point, the resurrection. That's it. The centerpiece of all creation. In the resurrection, God restores us back to being a part of his kingdom, which is what, that was the intent. I mean, and again, we spoke about this on Good Friday. When, when, when Adam sinned, they were booted out of the kingdom of God. See, they were supposed to go out to the world and reflect and, and share the blessings of the Lord in the world. They sinned and they were vanquished from the garden. And everybody was cursed. Everything was cursed. What was destroyed in Adam is restored in Christ. Adam brought death, and Christ brings life. Jesus Christ brings life. We celebrate that today. He brings the hope of salvation that will not disappoint us. It's a God promise. That's a resurrection. So now, here's a question for you to ponder. Does the resurrection matter to you? Does the, does the resurrection matter to you? And, and you're Christians, so you're saying, yes, it does. Of course it does, man. You just got through talking about all this. Yes, yes, it matters. Okay, okay. so now that means you believe. You have belief in the resurrection. You believe in Christ. So belief shapes behavior. What you believe 
shapes your behavior. Would you agree with that? I hope you do, because it should. Belief in Christ, belief in the resurrection means that you believe in the future resurrection. And because you believe, belief will shape how you live, your behavior, how you live to reflect the glory. I'm trying to do my best to reflect the glory of God. But sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I gotta, I gotta sin. I know two ways about it. See, I'm being very open, but you don't talk like that to yourself. You just sin. But okay, but if you belong to Christ, you get convicted. You're convicted of this, and you just can't, like, you can't live with yourself. You repent, and you ask God to help you change and to turn away from sin. Belief in Christ shapes your behavior, your behavior, how you live. You live to reflect the glory of God. That's how you live. Now, it's going to take us a lifetime to get there. But you have it in your heart that that's, what, that's why you're alive. That's why you're alive. The resurrection argues against reckless and sinful living because this world is not the end of the story. There's a kingdom that's here and it's coming. Uh, who knows the, the, the Masters, the PGA Master winner this last year, the, the Masters uh, Championship? What, Scotty? Sheffler, Sheffler, I hope I said that right. I could slaughter anybody's name as good as anybody else. Scotty Scheffler, he was asked this question after he won. He, someone asked him, will this win define, this tournament win, will it define your life? You know, it's big. I mean, the Masters, Tiger Woods, the best players in the world playing at this tournament, and he wins it decisively. And, and, and so, they're, hey, is that going to define you? Oh, man, Masters, green jacket and all that. And he says, he says, no. He says that golf does not define who he is. He says that Jesus Christ defines him. He says that Jesus Christ defines his life. He says, just like what my wife told me this morning, the last round, the last day when he was going for it, winning, he was nervous and all that. And she tells him something like this. Hey, whether you go out there and just fall on your face and you just do terrible and lose because he, he was in the lead. So he could only lose or win. So, or if you go out there and just tear it up. That's not going to define you. That's not what it's about. It's about Christ. It's about living for the glory of Jesus Christ. And he tells that reporter that. He says, I live. What defines my life is, is my behavior and how I live for the glory of God. Special stuff. Special stuff. And that's how we're called to live. That was a friend of mine. This it'll get it'll get closer to some reality because none of us like I can't play golf I can I can't hit the ball straight so but this will be something that you probably run into because because we're supposed to live our lives for the glory of God a friend of mine uh, was driving in a, in a, and I'm just going to be generic okay in, in a big city and uh, this person ends up turning the wrong way <laughs> while they're driving they turn the white wrong way on a one way street all the cars are coming at this person. But they were kind of far back, 
Before this person realizes, I turned down the wrong way street. There's somebody coming at the opposite direction, in the right direction. And you would think, what would you do if you saw that? If you're glorifying Christ, what would you do? I mean, because glorifying Christ means all the time. Not like when I'm driving, I don't have to glorify Christ. I can, I can scream at the other guys. No, no, what would you do? What would you do? You would you would do what? You would slow down. You would try to make sure, maybe get in front of some other cars, try to make sure this person would turn around. Like, I try to, this person, you don't want this person to get hurt? To, to hurt anybody? To hurt anybody else? What, I mean, wouldn't you do something like that? Or would you get your iPhone and put your iPhone and try to videotape this person maybe running into a wall or running head on into another car? Would you do that? That's, would that be glorifying God? Leave it on that iPhone. Oh, I'd rather get it on my iPhone right here. Yeah, I, could, I guess I could have done something. But I can put this on social media and I get like, I don't know what, 10,000 million likes or something. And that's what's driving your life? I mean, that, it, it gets down to that, okay? Living your life for the glory of God is everything. Is everything. It means everything in your life. Your belief shapes your behavior. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith, bringing forth the reversal of the curse of death and the guarantee to life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.